I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hey, hey, before we jump into today's session, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to become a part of the First Gen Lounge family. I like to say that it's goodness beyond the podcast and where I share with you exclusive offers, resources to navigate life and entrepreneurship and event information. So when this conversation comes to an end, head on over to www.thefirstgenlounge.com forward slash family to join. I've even dropped a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. All right, now let's get into it. So y'all, hey y'all, you think I'd be so, I don't know, this Southern y'all thing I got going on. Let me tell you, when I went to Mississippi, I got so addicted to the y'all. When I moved down there, I used to say, hey, you guys, hey, you guys. I'm like, you guys, you guys, you guys. So they picked at me. So I picked up on the y'all, but the y'all is endearment. So look, it is again, another Thursday and an exciting Thursday as always because of the amazing, amazing people that we have coming into the lounge. Today we have Shandria Harris, who, Shandria, I said that, yes? Yes, Shandria, you're right. Okay, look. Okay, but yeah, we have Shandria Harris with us, y'all. I know y'all be like, Eve, you and these names. Look, I know I got one of those names, too, so like, be forgiving, y'all. Give me some grace. (laughs) Shandria is out here making moves, y'all, in this first-gen space, and her first-gen space is real dope because, you know, like, I'm going to let her tell y'all. Shandria, what's up, girl? Hello, everyone. And so I absolutely love first gen. As Eve mentioned, I am a first gen. And so what I do most like every day is helping first gen students land entry level roles and recent graduate find their place in the workspace. So career development, training and development, helping first gen students grow to amazing young professionals and really helping them find all their resources to land meaningful work. That's, that's what I do every day, Eve. Awesome. And look at you finding meaningful work out here. That's what it's about, right? Like, no yeah. kidding, because you know, a lot of times what ends up happening is we get out here and we do work because it's the work that we're supposed to do. But don't think about the work that, oh, okay, I was built for this. This is my thing. What does meaningful work look like? You know, what, what does that look like to you? So meaningful work to me is helping a young professional navigate their career successfully. So whatever your goals and desires are, that's meaningful work to me. And so most of the time when first year students graduate, they struggle with getting into the workplace. So you may find them working in retail, doing something that's subpar as it comes to their goals. And personally, I know what that feels like to not have an advocate or a plug into the industry. And so my biggest task now is to help figure out what you want to do in, a, in your career and to help you find that work. So landing professional roles, working for 500 companies, working for Google, work for the Pentagon, whatever you think is your optimal level of success, I want to help you find that. And so you get to define meaningful work, you get to define professional work, you get to define what you're really looking for, and my goal is to help you find that. 
Mm, I love that. How do you do that? Can you give us an example? So if I came here and said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I need you to help me out. Oh my gosh. I love when people tell me that. So first, there's a couple of career assessments that I would have you to take after having just like a serious chat with you about your goals. Most of the time you are born with your innate abilities and your passion. And Mm. with those abilities and passion, you may not realize that you're really good at something. And so the first session with me, it's more so learning more about you and, and your history, your common trends, your commonalities, and just learning exactly how do you want to be remembered in this world? It is my favorite question because I feel like at the end of your journey, you want to make sure you have, you begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. At the end of your journey, you want to make sure you've accom- like accomplished all of your goals and you start by figuring out your legacy, figuring out like how do you want people to see you at your retirement party or even at your funeral? Like, what do you, who do you want to come and show up and what do you want them to say about you? And honestly, Eve, that really drives a lot of the things you do in your life and your career and so I start with that question and I get real I get all the way down to like the nitty-gritty of like who you are what you want to do how you're going to find your passion what's the first step into getting into this industry and help you find meaningful solutions to get the work you want and then to keep you happy and healthy to perform now you gotta get you in the job and then I help you perform and stay on task in the workplace and before you know it you'll be creating your legacy and that's that's what I'm all about helping others create their legacy and find their true calling I love that you say you know creating your legacy and finding a true calling because that's what it's all about mm-hmm. and like you said it but I mean I'm echoing it but I absolutely agree with that so I guess is what I'm getting at I don't think I realized the fullness of life until I started thinking about what I want to leave when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as sad as that it feels to think about, like, oh, one day I'll be gone. Um, it's sort of saying, well, what are you going to do in the meantime, you know, to make sure that you are impacting the world in some kind of way? You know, one thing I hate that people think to change the world and impact the world, they've got to be something grand. You know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes being an introvert working, you know, for somebody else is you being in your in your calling and changing a world in a way that others can't. And so I want everybody to be able to appreciate where they are and what they're doing if they feel that that's their thing, you know. Absolutely. So when I say change the world, you're so right, Eve. It's more so the service that you add. We need someone to still help us with cancer. We need someone to still help us, like, keep up with these cybersecurity hacks. And so not everyone is, like, born to be an entrepreneur, like, born to be on the stage, but you're born to serve. And, And if you can define your impact in the workplace, people will pay you whatever you think you're worth for mm. that. And so to me, meaningful work is figuring out how can you get where you need to be to make a difference. And every single day we get a chance to wake up and solve the next problem. Like with me, I work in resource management. The biggest problems that HR is facing right now is how to recruit minority talent and you know how to create a space for diversity and inclusion in the workplace without really disrupting internal call by succession plans. And so it's not just like diversity inclusion is my space, but also how to do that in a way where it's respectful to everyone who's already working in that industry. So every single day I'm not on the stage. I may be consulting. I may be talking to a company about their compensation plans, but I'm fighting for the right of employees to be happy, healthy, and to feel like they're treated fairly in the workplace. And so when you think about your service, you're thinking about what you're doing every single day to make an impact to someone, something. It could be a product. It could be like yourself as a service. It could be like you decoding something. I mean, 
you get to choose and decide that but and even into your family it's like sometimes we forget that how much of an impact we're making in our families and and while we were actually born into the family we were born into like to me i've sat down with my husband and we've talked about like why were we born with our families you know why was i picked to be in this family in mississippi in columbus this this family why was i and so even in that space when you begin to define who you are your why becomes to be big and it's it starts off small but it gets so big and it's it's from your work to your social life to your family life you know it's your spiritual life all of those things is what makes you you and how you can help change your world your family and your career mm. i can take that for sure and you know, when you think about how your family has shaped you, a lot of times, even as first gens, we don't give enough credit to some of the challenges that we've come from because of our families. Yep. That it's helped build character. That's what I'm getting at. And it's helped us to see the world different. Because I, I went somewhere recently, I'm telling you, this is real crazy. I went somewhere <laughs> recently and the toilet wasn't working. And I'm in this, this nice hotel and I'm like, oh, the thing is stopped up. But I know, shake it, shake it, shake it, fix. Somebody else was put out about that toilet not working. Because I'm like, where I'm from, you know, I've had a couple times where maybe the toilet is broken and you know what to do. And mm-hmm. so you don't even think about that resilience that somebody else would have flipped out. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that the toilet's not working. It's just the toilet. You can figure out how to make it flush. So I'm saying that because, you know, it's it's learning to navigate and being able to appreciate things. But yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I love your story because I think first generation students are the most resilient students professionals in the world yes lord most people see problems we're like oh that's easy we can fix that easily because you have to figure out you have to create your own plan and navigate your own way and if you look at first gen young professionals resumes they're usually all over the place the path Mm -hmm. is not straight there's no traditional way like they didn't just graduate found the internship land the position and now they're like it's that's not this ain't that as i would say our resumes are all over the place an uncharted path where we've tried this tried that tried this tried that but what you can take out of every one of those roles is like ambition resiliency like perseverance the go-getter attitude and these are all the transferable skills that companies are looking for today sadly they're not able to really connect the dots because they're so focused on like all the things you've done or all the places you've been versus on like how it took you to get there. So like I've, I mentioned before, I work full-time in college. And during college, I work for a temporary agency. I was supporting C-suite executives at banks and chamber of commerces, but like, I mean, top dog roles, but temporary, five months, six months. But I did the duration of my entire college career. When I left Eve, I was so developed as a professional. I was at the top of the chain, working like alongside to the executive of this large corporation temporarily, but getting exposure. And so that's why I created Higher Culture because I personally was developed through temporary agencies. I worked in 25 temporary agencies. Mm. And at first I was like, man, I've had so many jobs. No one wants to hire me, there's too many jobs. Excuse me. What that tells you is that I will work in every job I've worked was supporting C-suite executives. And like that was temporarily, but they trusted me enough to go in and fill in this gap for their employee while they weren't there. And I was a college student. And so I had to kind of look at that thing differently because at first I was like really sad. I didn't want to put that on my resume. I didn't want to tell anybody about that. I'm like, that's too many jobs. I've job hopped my entire career, right? <laughs> but it was temporarily. And that is where you find your ambition. So 
your misery has some type of message in it and when you own that it you become you and people will pay you for who you are it amazes me how first gen is like a thing now and i've been living this my whole life like this is a thing now and but think about it like this eve like it's a thing now where people are trying to really attract first gen and like study more on like who we are and you know how we think and evolve but we've been doing this since inception we came out trying to like raise our hands and figure out who to go for where for this or who do i call for that and it's just been a, a puzzle this entire time mm-hmm. it is and man, you over here like God. I remember that. I remember that. Oh my gosh, I remember that. The job hop thing. <laughs> like, my color's over here. The job hop thing. The you know what? What am I good at? What are my skills? Nobody's gonna want to hire me after this. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, sometimes when you job hop and you don't find your thing, and I've said this before, it may be that your thing is to create your own. Yes. I've been looking now, and I, I mean, I still find myself fascinated that it's been three years since I have been on my own. I'm thinking, dang, and this is the thing I've done the longest, you know, in terms of just being in one <laughs> spot. And while I was, I was so shamed, you know, before, because it's like, it never works out anywhere. And one of my mentors told me recently, and I was like laughing, I was really laughing my ass off. She was <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if you didn't see yourself where you are, but I did. And I'm like, how? And why nobody tell me? But it's like, you got to figure it out there for yourself, right? But those yeah. job pops have come in handy. Because in mm-hmm. what I'm doing, I understand different cultures. I understand different work environments. I understand different institution types. You know, beyond having studied them, I've lived through them. And it's been a benefit to business. So to what you said, never take for granted your many experiences. And that's really dope. And then to another point, you know, and I know I'm kind of talking, but you got me excited. I had a mentor <laughs> tell me, I mean, God rest his soul, he passed away in April. But he used oh, to tell no. me, you know, Eve, I'm the executive secretary treasurer. But everywhere the president goes, I go. And I'm thinking, I ain't never think about that before. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that you don't have to be in the powerful role position to be in a powerful room to learn and to grow and to be a part of. And he was like, everything the president sees, I see. And everything he learns, I learn. And everything he witnesses, I witness. And I'm like, ooh. And that made me rethink executive administrative assistance. Yep. And gatekeepers too. Like, you're not going to get access to anyone without them. And and the biggest thing about that while I was working at temporary agencies, like, they didn't see me as a threat. So mm. they would give me all the exposure, you know, all the development because I was temporary. I wasn't a permanent employee. So I didn't have to fight permanent employees for like, other roles or for the spotlight they're like, oh this is Andrea. she's a she's a student and, you know they kind of leaned on that but i had so much exposure and so much development i learned like the workplace decorum and the business side of how they do things and i'll tell you one thing that i can say very well about our white counterparts is they are amazing at business and because they created it they created business and they mm-hmm. are absolutely amazing at it. Like when it comes to having meetings, to, to figure out how to scale, to figure out how to even talk to someone, to communicate effectively, they are amazing at it. And I was able to pick up all those things from them. And so now when it's time for me to lead or host an event or do programming, I have those skills. And so mm-hmm. I say, do not despise small beginnings um, ever. And I think we're in a, in a generation now, we're in a series now where Everybody wants to be like at the top and making it, but I'm telling you, those beginning moments are so essential. They're everything. When you're a beginner, 
people don't like take your mistakes for they wouldn't really hold you against hold anything against you for your mistakes you know they're gonna say it's a mistake she's a young professional she's getting started when you're a beginner you get to have that leniency that's what I'm trying to say the leniency but when you decide to say I'm an expert at this and I'm like talk about chain at this no one's giving you any type of slack that's true <laughs> anything take some time and grow it's okay Bible tells you to do not despise small beginnings telling you small beginnings is definitely where you will find your foundation and learn so much always keep your workbook and i mean literally jot down everything that you're learning that you're seeing that you're growing even your environment you're learning something don't miss those moments because when you do become the person of influence or the person of leadership you'll be able to make decisions differently and then you'll also know mm. like, how to do it like you'll know what to do and how to do it mm. why the attraction to higher i'm about to say higher education no nah, i mean higher coaches i hire everything higher 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 in my head but why the attraction <laughs> to human resources what was that that just ticked because you're one of the first people if not the only one that i've had in the field so yeah so why that so to me, human resources and my counterparts were really fucked at me for saying this, but it's almost like the chief police of a company, but in a good way. So uh, there's so many different roles in human resource management that you can decide to go into. I mean, you can go into employee morale, you can go into benefits, you can go into recruitment. You can go to, there's so many things you could do in HR. And my degree is in social science, my bachelor's in social science, my master's in counseling psychology. And so ultimately I was like, how can I be like a business psychologist? Like, what can I do? Because remember, I'm a first gen. And so I went to school, went to work full time, eight to five, school six to nine. So I didn't have time to lean on my career center staff or faculty. Like I made this up myself. Mm. And so I'm sitting here like, how can I be like a business psychologist without getting a law degree? Because I don't go back to school for law. But like really helping influence the business with helping people. Cause I've always loved people. Like I've always taught since I was a kid. How can I do that? And so I began to search fields. Social science actually studies people and behaviors and trends. And before HR was a thing, psychology was that thing. And thankfully I have degrees in both and my personality honestly kind of I was like steered me toward the admissions and recruitment side. Okay. But as I began to do well in that, I started to focus more on the employee morale. And as I got into the workplace as a freshman, as a millennial, I realized, you know, sometimes we're not treated fairly. And, you know, on, on two different angles where we don't know what we're doing wrong, they don't know what they're doing wrong. And so it's a space for someone to consult and be a liaison here. And I took that as my opportunity to really help others, to train and develop young professionals. Because I'll tell you, Eve, the things that I get calls on now are just ridiculous. Like, young professionals are in these corporate companies, girl, they're, they're acting a fool. Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, a fool. And it's, I'll, I'll just say this, I'll just say this. You know, when you learn an internship, I get that we're fighting social justice all over the world, and I love that about us. But, like, you're learning, you're growing. Don't go in fighting, right? Just go in and figure out what's going on first. And so one of my mentees wore a like this little turban thing. And not this, it's like a religion thing to her, but it's just like, she's a black chick. She's like, I want to wear this scarf on my head, pretty much. And I'm like, you're the first in your family to step foot in a corporate company. Why would you show up with a scarf on? And, and <laughs> you already know people are going to be looking at you sideways. Not as if they're like being like they're judging you, but it's just different. 
And so your first day, you get a show with a scarf on, and her manager didn't even know how to tell me. Like, she didn't want to be offensive so bad that she didn't even know how to tell me that something was wrong with her attire. I'm like, well, what was wrong with her attire? She says, well, Ginger, just can you just ask her what she wears to work? And I'm like, sure, if that's going to make you feel better. Because honestly, our white counterparts are not confrontational at all. And they will let you go before they're confrontational. So they will never be confrontational. They will let you go first. And so I I asked them, like, what do you wear to work, girl? You know, just trying to figure it out. She's like, well, I used to wear a scarf most days. And I'm like, hold on. So you mean to tell me you go into these people's place with a scarf on every day? She's like, well, what's wrong with my scarf? Come on. What's right about it right now? Mm. You know, and so they're cutting up in the workplace, and I think it's a place for me to help train them to be better, but also, like, educate our white counterparts, too, because she didn't think anything was wrong with it. It was just different. And it wasn't her who was having the conversations about it. It was her boss's boss. And so most of the time when someone has an issue in the workplace, it's been discussed on several mediums. It's not just your boss. Mm-hmm. And then they don't know how to confront you with that. And so I train and develop young professionals for the workplace, number one. Like, you know, if you're going to be in this corporate world, this is what you got to do to get started. You know, don't come in wanting to change things. Just come in and get started. And then as you get your feet wet, learn what they're doing, then maybe you'll have a voice for action, but not in the beginning. Not mm-hmm. in the beginning. You know, that's real. And to add to it, like you said, you're also helping corporations, you know, companies to understand the this new generation or these mm-hmm. different backgrounds. Um, how critical is that? Because sometimes I think we think so one way about what things should look like that I'm supposed to only go in and assimilate to this culture. Now, let me say that I understand every organization has a culture, but I also know that there's this thing that if we're trying to diversify, sometimes we have to change our culture. That's because true. a culture, I mean, a company can't diversify sometimes when it just doesn't change. But to that point, you don't know what you don't know. And that's what I wish more businesses and organizations would come to understand that when you're bringing people in, you're bringing in the best and the best based off of skills and talents and experiences. But then when you have to look at the people and what they come from, I think we sometimes forget that people are people when we're bringing them to workspaces. And that, that's like, that's I mean, true. similar. You and I are first gen, and I remember wearing my little turban wraps, you know, when I was in college going to class. And of course, that's not appropriate for professional corporations, you know, unless there is a religious tie to that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, not every industry, and my husband and I go back and forth about this all the time, not every industry's professionalism is the same professionalism. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah, but even to think about that, I think that, you know, corporations, and this is not, you know, trying to take jabs or nothing, but it is to say that to be more sensitive to where people are coming from when they're integrating them into their workplace. Because if somebody who was first gen, like I said, being one of the first people to be in, in, in a, I don't was a corporate, but I mean, because it wasn't corporate. Mine was higher ed. I mean, nonprofit, but still business setting mm-hmm. that still counts. But I know that's a different beast than these Fortune 500. I will say that. Oh, for sure. But it, it's very well a thing. I'm glad you said that, that is put out there because it's not just for us as people going into businesses to change who we are, but to think about how businesses are being sensitive to who we are as people. Because I'm thinking, dang, all the things that could have been different if somebody would have been a little bit more patient with me, maybe. But it's, it's all about <laughs> business. And when you grow, ain't no room for forgiveness. There's no room for forgiveness. And if you're right, so I think diversity and inclusion is such a multifaceted, like, conversation and space that there are so many things that companies have to do first to even understand why are you even wearing a scarf 
Mm-hmm. Like there's a understanding gap that truly exists down to even communication. Like personally, African-Americans are very, very direct. Um, we will give you feedback on the spot, unsolicited in a good <laughs> way. Like in the way that we're like, we feel like you can receive it. But right. Our white counterparts didn't ask you for that. They don't want to hear that. Like you have to ask, can I give you feedback? And that's something that I've learned in business. It's like, although I'm very therapeutic, although I give all kind of great advice, I think it's, if it's unsolicited, it's unwarranted, they don't want it. And so you have to get in and learn the business. They're learning you, you're learning them. We all have our own flaws, but companies are not, I would say the people in the companies are not versed enough to understand, you know, that this scarf is an expression of who you are. Now, granted, personally, I think if you wear a scarf, you really don't care that day. Because, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's That's how I feel. You know, I guess we can fight against that. But I'm like, come on, you don't have to wear a scarf to work today. You're a reflection of your ancestors. Like, don't make me get started because I'm from Mississippi. And I'm like, my ancestors got beat literally in full suits. So why are you having a scarf? But that's my Southern thing now. That's me. And I realize that I may have a bias to what professionalism looked like because like my grandmother was literally on me i my mom would tell you i literally almost wore suits to school because it was just like you're always stressed you're your you're your family's legacy that's what you look like every single day but that's my southern thing i'm just saying when you're getting to these people's environments like you figure out the game plan you go in and strategize figure out who they are what they wear how they talk what they listen to you have to adapt quickly and Mm. so most of you are trailblazers in this space you are walking in corporate america for everyone not just you for me too and so you're doing this for the culture not just for your expression that day and if you go in this environment begin to adapt figure out what's going on get them to like respect you and like you then you can do whatever you want Mm. you can wear whatever you want and you know and no one's gonna really take a jab at your professionalism because of that but you can't go in with that Eve and I think the biggest issue is that when we leave like higher education getting out of school the the transition is so rapid that you don't really understand the differences like you had a voice in college you were able to appeal things in college you were able to say what you want to say to your professor like you could do all kind of things you could stand up start a riot do a petition you know you're if, especially if you're in leadership if you're in any type of leadership role i mean you had a lot of voice you almost ran the school as i yep. would say this ain't <laughs> but that. you don't run the company right this is not right. that this is new you're stepping down a bit to kind of pivot a little bit and your voice is different so your first day, you don't want to walk in telling people what, how the system is messed up. It may be messed up. You may have a better alternative, but this ain't the day to tell them, you know? And so I had learned it the hard way. And so, and by my experiences, I was able to, I'm able to train others, like what to do, what not to do. And I mean, even down to like conversations, girl, like the whole yes and. If you ask me how to do something and if I can't do it, I'm gonna say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it today. I'll try again. Let's talk about it later, period. That's not acceptable in the workplace. It's a method called yes and. Yes, I'm happy to support you and I can't do it until two weeks from now, right? It's one of those things where they have, that's how they talk. They will tell you, yes, I can support and help you, but this is when I can do it. Mm-hmm. Versus me saying, no, I can't help. Thank you so much for considering me. I'm so sorry. That is different communication. 
I didn't give a solution. I didn't come out being approachable by saying yes. But you learn that. That is a learned business skill. Because I would have never thought this, the yes and method mattered. I didn't know anything about yes and method until I actually got into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it takes to really learn and grow. And it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. But we'll help you get trained and develop so you'll do well and you'll thrive and you can make a difference. Uh, I'm with it. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm over here shaking my head like I'm all like, you're right. Because that, and I, I learned the yes and within the past few years being mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship because I've taken on so much, which I love, but I sometimes don't love. <laughs> and so for me, it's like, I mean, people, oh, I want you to work with this. Can you help me with this? Can you do this? And I'm like, yes. However, you know, so maybe I do yes. However, yes. However, <laughs> it will be best if we can start this project in January, if we can think about next summer. And I'll tell you this too, you know, and be warned, how that works also depends on the culture because Mm -hmm. in some cultures, they ain't going for it. They don't understand why you're not available right now. Like, you know, I need you, this is, this is now. So I would Mm -hmm. say, well, let me even ask you that. I mean, since I got you, so what do you say when you are in that culture? Let's say I'm somewhere and I'm trying to use just and, but the culture I'm in, they're like, nah, do as I say. What do you tell somebody, you know, to, to navigate that that space? You go back to the bottom line. So sometimes people are wanting to move really fast. They get something done and accomplished very well. And so you have to learn your consulting skills. Like you have to be reflective and ask like clarifying questions. Like this is all deep, but I'm going to tell you. So when someone wants to rush a project and you don't have the time or the capacity to even help in a way that is going to be beneficial to the project, say that, you know, you like this is an amazing project and I think we could do an absolute great job and it's going to affect this person and that person and like bottom line we're going to grow however if we were to move too fast and too soon these are the weaknesses these are the pitfalls and I'm afraid we probably shouldn't try that and so go back to the business bottom line if it's going to hurt the dollar then they'll slow down but you Mm. have to go back and think if they say we can do this right now. I, I get it. We do. But here are the weaknesses. Here, let's do a SWOT analysis on why we can't do this right now. And then they will step back and get grounded in, okay, fine. You know, maybe we shouldn't do this today. And maybe it will be more of, you know, a hassle or it will we'll move too soon and we'll miss something if we try to execute today. So if they're not accepting yes and go back to the bottom line, girl. The money always talks. And no one wants to make money. No one wants to do that. No one. Mm, I can dig that. Absolutely. I know I can dig that. I can't. Like, I don't know what's somebody I can dig that. True, true. I'm just saying true. <laughs> and, and that's real nice. Thank you for that advice. Because, again, there's so many things that we as first gens, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, and I keep saying, I said it when I, you know, spoke at Southern Miss last week. Shout out to my alma mater. And I was telling them, you know, you, you may not know something. You may be first gen, but it's not an excuse. Nope. And so you have to figure it out one way or another. And I would say for me, it's been a lot of trial and error, which I'm okay with because I'm taking what I've learned as you even have, you know, from HR and helping other people be better because of it. And so it's not a lost cause, no time wasted. And we find ourselves in a space where you're like, you know what? I'm good with this. I'm okay with that. And honestly, 
I don't think everybody wants you to know it all. I've landed more business deals by not knowing what they're talking about and asking more questions than I have by just being the person that know it all. Mm -hmm. Lean on the fact that you don't know. Like recently I did a pitch and it was an amazing pitch and I had a couple people come over and say, you need to hit diversity inclusion this angle and talk about contract relations. And they were talking Spanish, girl, I had no clue. Like, <laughs> like, oh Lord, what do I do next? I did not know what he was talking about. Look at his car. He's the president and CEO of a company. I'm like, oh Lord, I, I look a mess front of this man and so I emailed him and said thank you so much for stopping by my booth today like he was the first person there to see me I could tell you're very passionate about this work and I, was, and I said I wanted to say you know the conversation you had with me I took all the details and all the notes but I have to sit down with you and ask more questions like I am new in the space of contracting relations with DNI, and I think you have all the knowledge I need can I can I grab you for coffee this week and mm. you know he said yes like five minutes later because you don't have to know it all you don't have to know it all you have to be willing to learn and so when you show up asking questions then people will give you the work versus showing up being know it all that's kind of the secret to the sauce honestly no one wants you to show up and say this is what I know someone wants you to show up and say hey can you tell me more about this and what do you think about my idea or this is what I'm doing to help people can you add what do you think I should add to this you don't have to know it all you just have to be in a space where you're willing to learn accept critical feedback don't wear it on your sleeves please please don't and grow from it you have to that's life I think I saw some other day that made me think about hustle hard stay humble mm-hmm you have and, to. Yeah, humility uh, it does go a long way. And even if you know that you know that you know something, something I've had to learn the hard way, I'm still put out there. Even if you know that you know, that you know something, sometimes it's okay to just act like you don't know. And, and to be okay with... I do it all the time. Yeah, be okay with saying, okay, cool, cool. I appreciate that. Because I'm going to tell you something that like gets me to and I understand what I was doing now when it happens. I'll say something to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, oh, I knew that. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So after a while, I'm going to stop telling you stuff. I may tell you something that, you know, you really don't know, but because you tell me how much you do know, I'm tired of trying to tell you stuff. So at that point, I'm like, all right. And then you'd be like, well, why you ain't tell me? Because every time I tell you something, you know. And so people exactly. don't understand, you know, thank you for that information. I appreciate it. And sometimes you may tell me something. I can ask you a question in addition to that that'll help me get more information or more knowledge in addition to what I already know, if it's so simple. But yeah, but we have a very, very powerful lesson. Very much so. And you know, when someone's telling you something and you already know it, never forget to like to close that with asking for an introduction or referral. Like you don't like it make sure your time is worthwhile. So like when people say, Oh my god, you should reach out to this person, I'm like, I'm so happy to do that. Do you have a warm connection? Do you, would you be willing to like introduce us? Because you talking and listening, honestly, you listening more than you talking will make them feel like they know you. I don't know why. It's something psychological about that whole thing of like just listening. People become to like empathize with you and want to help you. It's weird. And then you just say, you know, I love your conversation. Thanks so much for your feedback. I want to talk to these people so bad. Do you have a warm connection? How do you think I should get involved? And that is the way you network to get those connections. And it's honestly by listening. You add, you know, a little something to the conversation every now and then, but you want to sit down and listen. How I learned about my business, Eve, how I learned that, honestly, white men in America was very upset about the whole diversity and inclusion and they struggled with how to really get the seasoned diverse talent there without messing up the plans of this 20 that 
homegrown person been in the company for 20 years they're upset like they've been there for 20 years they're ready to move up too and you telling me i gotta bring somebody else in here because i want to diversify the company that didn't make that didn't make sense to them but i learned that not from research i learned that from executives white males mm. who told me andrea this is the issue i want to do this but what about the guy who's been working with me for 10 years what do i tell him what do I tell them? Mm-hmm. And so I learned that from talking and listening and telling me, like, tell me your pain points. Why do you, like, what is your struggle with diversity and inclusion? Well, I want to. It's the right thing to do. I know that. But how do you make everybody happy with this? Like, how do you continue to include everyone, even my, you know, our white male counterparts? Like, they feel like they're on an attack in America right now. So what do you do to make them feel comfortable? and also include it and that became one of my like business objectives is to help both you know how do i create an inclusive environment where everyone is happy you're adding diverse talent but your talent who's already here feels like they're actually thriving as well it's deep but you don't get that until you listen to somebody and you listen you talk you do research and you, you listen to more of what's going on in your industry to solve those problems true true very true and it's again listening more than you talk and yep. paying attention and not just that let me add to it processing oh yeah so don't just you know like every every situation i've ever been in professionally and even most personally i sit down and i'm like what was i supposed to learn but i'm an ideator too so i like to sit and think and think and think and think and i'm like i'm supposed to get something from that what was that what was that this week you know even particular i've had a situation where i'm just like oh i'm supposed to be patient i'm supposed to slow down Ooh. i'm supposed to wait a little bit and i'm like but i don't want to be let's get this thing moving but it's like oh no 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 because for as big as you're going to go with some things it's going to take longer and this is mm-hmm. just helping you see and understand that so saying it to you is again listen to what people are saying and process it and see how it applies to you even because that's the other thing that we tend to not do sometimes as people mm-hmm. we just kind of go through the motions but the motions are teaching you something learn from it all but yeah but look this has been such an amazing conversation and we may have to bring, we have to bring you back for part two right because it's Let's like do part two. Let's do part part two. Two. seriously because it's so that's this is really big this first year professional thing is huge mm-hmm. i'm so glad that somebody stepped up and said i'm gonna do it because see i'm more the person development entrepreneur person and you know because clearly I, I left you know working for other organizations i work with them now but i mean but for me it was really finding finding the beat of my own drum and figuring out what's going to work because as you're saying going to a culture and adapt if you just find yourself not able to adapt no no matter where you are you're going to have to do some real true self-evaluation and maybe you need to do something different and that's kind of really what i got to right and but that honesty and that self-awareness is it was helped me get to this point but yeah but anyways i'm so glad you've been here this has been an amazing conversation like so i, I just love it right um <laughs> i do want to ask you that that infamous question my favorite question is if you can leave us with anything to remember you by, you know, that legacy or a thought for us to keep with us for life, what would that be? I'll tell you my favorite quote by Maya Angelou. And the quote goes like, there's nothing a human has done that you can't do. Mm. And that is what I live by. I think she's a phenomenal woman, but that quote just really humanized people who you feel like are so far the reach, are so ahead of you, are just in the space you want to be. They're human. And there's nothing a human has done that can't do either. And so, you know, do it. Get out there, do it, try reach out to others and, you know, be a service. When you can add a service, everything else flows. That's what you're here for. Mm-mm-mm. Look, you are such a joy. So thoughtful, so reflective. And you've given us so much today. I really thank you for that. I know there are going to be people going to be like, I need her help. So 
So <laughs> where can those people, our people better, where can they find you on the internet? Yes. So if you're on Instagram is Chandria Harris, that's C-H-A-N-D-R-I-A. Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Honestly, it's everything Shandria Harris. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. My website is higher, like hire me, higher culture. So it's H-I-R-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E-S.com. Higher cultures. And reach out. I would love to help you with training. Whatever you need. Let's talk about it. We'll get you where you need to go. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And y'all, oh, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to add this on to it. Because I know they heard it, but I need y'all to hear this. Y'all got all this from a queen from Mississippi. 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 Like, listen, because (laughs) you bad as you want to be. And you from it. Look, you just put us on game and you're from Mississippi. And, I'm, and I share that. And I love talking to my Southern folk, right? Because people don't think sometimes that great things come out of the deep south. Oh, my gosh. Everything great come from the deep south. I was down the other day. I had some catfish. I said, I got to go. I got to go. Girl, <laughs> girl, girl, girl. <laughs> but I said that because, you know, and, I, and I'm proud of you. And I, I'm proud of every person. I'm my husband, the friends that I've made that come out of Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and are doing things like you're doing. And you, again, you put us on and you, you know, how some people say, little girl from the South, from Mississippi. Yes. I had made I mean, it. The little girl from the South, Mississippi, who sat on the morning bench and sung this little light of mine. That's all me. And so to have you here, not just putting us on from the perspective of being in the States, but those who are across the world, like, I know that there's so many things associated to Mississippi that can be negative, but I'm going to tell you, oh, like, yeah. Mississippi, did, you hear it, you, you hear it first, and I love it. So thank you, and for welcome. being here today. I appreciate you, and we're going to have we gonna have you back. We're going to have you back. But look, have I'm a beautiful true. day, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eve. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so very welcome. Until next time. Before you go, I just want to take the time to say thank you again for tuning in, for being in this space. I really appreciate you. Now, if any part of the show did anything for you, then pass the word. Tell a friend, you know, text, email, DM. Let them know about the First Gen Lounge so we can continue to inspire others that are around us. I want you to come back and kick it again. But in the meantime, keep pressing forward.